Hi, Jonathan Williams here at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. The Bricks and Mortar podcast, what's that? Well, that's a podcast about property, buying, selling, renting, or investing in property. We'll have something that floats that boat and lights your candle. Well, this week you find me down at Macrahanish. We're down at the house at Macrahanish for a fortnight's holiday. And I have to say, it's been well-deserved. Time now just for a fortnight or so to recharge the batteries, get a bit of golf played and just relax. Sitting in one of the bedrooms down here and just watching over the 18th green as the fellas go out and and play the golf. Just looking over there, bit overcast, grey. It's not been a great summer, has it, weather-wise? Um, But hopefully, we're certainly expecting the weather to improve over the next week or so. And uh, hopefully we'll get some great weather, get out there. I can't see the paps of Dura, which means that uh, that's where the weather's coming in from. There's not a breath of wind, though, uh, which isn't great. It just means I think it's going to be grey for most of the day. Last week... I got in touch with Craig McCall of Core Property and we had a fantastic chat. Uh, I looked at the timer on the recorder and I couldn't believe that it was an hour and a half that we were nattering away about Craig and Core Property, about the letting game and how he started and really taking him from uh, just a young lad selling watches at Mappin and Webb right through to running core property which has something like 650 properties under management we're going to put the interview on i'm probably going to carve that into two interviews because an hour and a half is probably just a little bit too long but listen sit back grab a cup of coffee and listen to craig mccall and myself nattering about property The journey into property uh, can be sometimes a strange journey. I know I had a pretty straightforward journey going from university, legal degree, then into property. But there are some strange journeys that some of the people I've come across. Obviously, last week we had our poker playing letting agent. This week we've got Craig McCall on. And Craig McCall runs core um, co-management and is a letting agent but he worked for Mappin and Webb and worked for Mappin and Webb for how long? I was there for from 16 to 21 so five years. Five years? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which was great. I loved it. Um, If I could retire and go back to that job it would be something that I would uh, I would love to do. When we met Craig this afternoon, I was very disappointed that he was <clears throat> he was wearing a jacket and I thought for one moment I thought that he would reveal a whole raft of watches that he wanted me to sell, but clearly he's well out of the, uh, the jewellery game and well into the letting game. So from Mappin and Webb, where did the property side of things come in? I would love to say that I've still got the jacket and it's, <laughs> it's keys that I've got that are uh, on the inside now, um, but it's a bit different. Um, it was a, a passion of mine because my parents didn't own a property. We, we were growing up um, in a council uh, house and when I was 19, 
when my friends were at university, I decided that I wanted to sort of buy a property and, and right. get a foot in the ladder. And fortunately enough, um, I met um, Gary Thompson at Clyde, who was just in the young uh, developing stage of his, his estate agency. Oh, right. So I was only. So this would be that, just to put a timeline on that, that would be what? Well, I'm 43 just now, and I was 19 then when right. I. when I So you're looking at 24 years? Right. Um, okay. So sort of late 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah late okay. 80s. Um, and I really enjoyed my interaction with them, being able to buy the property. Um, and then I was there in the Merchant City for a number of years and sold the property to buy where I, where I uh, the village that I stay in now. Right. And lo and behold, doubled my money and couldn't believe the amount that I actually physically had in my hand based on, you know, I'd been staying somewhere paying my mortgage but uh-huh. my parents were used to rent my parents <clears> actually were dead against me buying the property because they felt that it was too big a risk and at that point my eyes became open to the profit that could be made with uh, with, with within property now at that stage um, I had decided to uh, I got married and um, we decided to start a family and so we moved out to where we are just now and um I decided to buy and sell a couple of properties and um, do them up in a condition that I thought was was quite pucker uh-huh. uh, and sell them and see if we could uh, make some money. But you were still doing that <clears throat> as a, a a side venture as such. You were still doing side your, your mapping and web. Well, I was in mapping and web and mapping and web. <clears throat> what happened was mapping and web offered me. Um, the uh, the lifestyle of the types of clientele that it brought in, and the amounts of um, of uh, different types of characters of people that are maybe born into money, or people that have made money, or yep. you know, so it, it brought in a certain culture that you got to know them quite well because you were your clientele. Because the clientele would have been pretty much well healed. Well healed, um, but it went from. You know, we had a guy that came in one time that had um, nobody wanted to serve him because it, it looked like him. He was uh, he was uh, not a well, was it almost <laughs> a, a jakey. You know, someone that maybe looks as if they'd um, uh, come from the same background as us. And um, one of the girls eventually got kind of pushed forward. To You'll have to him. deal with him. So she sat down and spoke to him, and within two seconds he said, um, I want to buy a family heirloom for uh, my daughter. She's getting married. You've got a ring in the window at uh, £60,000. I'd just oh, like to take it. my lord. Like that. Um, Cash down. Uh, well, he, he, we, we, Card or we all thought he was uh, he was crazy, so we were actually all laughing, but we paid, we paid 1% commission for every sale, and this guy walked in, ripped jacket, um, you know, um, uh, kind of... Hat on it, but it turns out he was a he owned like farms all over Ayrshire and bought this uh, bought this wow. ring and it just it taught me not to judge a, a book by its cover. I paid for a it. Pretty woman episode if ever I heard one. It was a uh, it was it was astonishing. Now that you saw different types that were coming in. So you had yeah. the guys that had just come into money, the boom and bust guys, you had the people that had been long established. There was different. Um, 
now I was 16 to 19, so I was anything I was I was impressed by, but I wanted to get a, a taste of trying to make money for myself. Yeah. Now what Mark and Webb also did was the um the I worked in the wash department, so it was like Rolex and Breitling and Cartier and things like yeah, that were the yeah. kind of mainstay. But the reps would come in and they would look after you. So if there's any tournaments coming up or if there's anything you needed tickets for, like Wimbledon or anything like that, then basically or a jolly, they would take you down. And I get invited just a very quick uh, off the topic um, story, but to give you an idea of the sense of the kind of lifestyle, although you're working in a shop fundamentally, mm-hmm. we got I got offered Breitling had come into Glasgow. We'd um, um, taken them on as the first uh, retailer in Scotland, yeah. and to thank me, they invited me to the Farnborough Air Show, and I said, and at this point I was eighteen, and I was the um, I was um, still working in the wash department, no specific or um, uh, title or anything like that right. at that stage, and they said, listen, we've got. A, um, we're doing hospitality at the Farnborough Air Show. Do you want to come? And I said, yeah, it's brilliant. And I checked out. They said, um, they said, they'll start with now. I checked out the trains to get down there and then come back and do it in a day. And it was uh-huh. like 160 quid or something. Uh-huh. I thought, I can't afford that for a day. I can't justify it. So I phoned them up and said, listen, I'm really sorry. I'd love to come, but it's too far. It's yeah, going to be too yeah. expensive. To which there was a genuine silence. And they said, no, we're dealing with it for you. <laughs> So I then was getting uh, flown down. Um, I thought they sent up um, uh, details for me to go to Glasgow Airport. Right. And I went to Glasgow Airport, and the girl, on. the girl said, uh, "No, you're round there." And I went round to a, a, an old hangar, right. and I said, "What's going on in here?" And I went and sat in the hangar, and as I was sitting in the hangar, there's a guy next to me that, again, because I was young, I just kind of kept my head down and right. was a bit shaky. And the guy, the girl said, "No, Mr. Edmonds, that's your, uh, that's your plane." No. Already. So no, Edmonds walked past. No me. way. And then he said, "Mr. McCall, that's your plane." And they'd hired, they'd hired me a private jet, and they flew me straight into. You the and no Edmonds. No, no, no Edmonds. No, just me. <laughs> no, no Edmonds. He's a pilot. He he got his plane. All right, ready. he wasn't flying. So he was away, but I just I didn't even recognise. You know, there was no Mr. Blobby next to him, so. <laughs> I had a, I didn't I didn't register, oh and then God. I was sitting in this private jet right. um, with um, pilot co-pilot and uh, an air steward and me. And where did it all go wrong? Do you know what went wrong was this? See if the salary matched the lifestyle, brilliant. Oh, but it didn't because no. you're still you're still a shop. You're still working in a shop, uh-huh. which uh, was brilliant. So the the perk side of it, or the taking <clears throat> on buying trips to. Um, to Switzerland or you know there's yeah, always something yeah. coming up and you go through all the factories but it was just it was just absolutely brilliant uh-huh. amazing but what happened was my friends um, my mum my, my thank god got me kicking and screaming into Jordan Hill school um, so all of my friends went to the local um, secondary school yeah. uh, which I wanted to go to my mum said no you're going no, there no. Uh-huh. And it gave me a bit of an accent, more than anything else. But the friends that I made there, they all went to university and I wanted to go into sales or I wanted to go mm-hmm, into something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My vocation wasn't academia um, yeah. or academic. So I wanted to always stay a step ahead of my friends who I considered to be quite clever. So when they were studying and they had part-time jobs, I wanted my full-time job to be earning the same or more than them. Yeah, yeah. When they came out with a degree, I wanted my um, salary to reflect what they were earning as the first part. So that's where I've always Benchmark, had a, a, a benchmark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so 
what happened was they quickly went through university and were getting degrees and getting good jobs and I was sitting in uh, Mapping and Web. Although I had my flat at that stage, I didn't really have much else. So mm. I knew it And the career trajectory happen. would have been a bit difficult because what would the career trajectory would have been? Managing you, the shop? You'd and manage the job. I actually was getting, I got off the job um, with uh, Cartier down in Bond Street in London. Right. Uh, but um, that's rewinding back just at the point that I'd met my girlfriend, soon to be my wife. Right, so that's so never gonna happen. Well, we, had, we, we, just, we just sort of um, fell in love and, um, and um, decided that this was the route that I was going to go down. Yeah, yeah. But I then changed that from mapping and web and knew I had to get a job where um, I wanted to earn some money as a, and, and, and be a salesman uh, out in the road. And yeah. I had my house, although I'd passed my test, I hadn't done it my car. So I then... Um, I then got a job as a sales rep, um, which was awful. And what were you selling? Can't remember. I know I can remember. I can remember it all. I actually only lasted eight months, but the the problem was I'd came out of a job that I'd been in with the bricks and thought that it was a bit of a ticket, and then the reality of the real world hit me. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I was bullied so much in the fact that I had guys that were really street smart and I just felt that I was um, I was being handled wrongly in relation to what they were getting me to do where I was going so I'd start off at sort of half six in the morning down in the freeze finishing Stranra and then somebody would say right you need to cover this day's work and you're starting So you're doing the job of or you're doing the rotten run so I, I, I'd people finish, who didn't want that run finishing Stranra straight up to Wick for um, the next day so Wick Thurso Dingwall team overnight again then Inverness and then back down so <clears throat> I found that I was away the majority of the time I wasn't happy no. and you, you need to have a love or a passion for what you're doing and I was selling stationery print paper clips <laughs> post-it notes and the courses I'm on so not thousand pound watches the thing is it, it's all relevant because mm-hmm. it taught me how to sell you know the, 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 the hard school of knocks yeah, you yeah. take from it but you know I I was really appreciative appreciative of what I had and what I was getting and I, I'm completely aware of, of, of my background so I, I, I wasn't sort of up myself in any manner but you know, one month um, I'm going down to Switzerland and we're buying um, watches uh, for a specific luxury brand. Uh-huh. And then two months later, I'm sitting in a sales conference in, you know, a, what a class is a dingy hotel, learning how to, the, the new Pritch Stick rollers, the best thing, and everyone's going to take it and how it's going to take over the world. So there was a reality check for uh-huh. me. And at that point, I thought, um, I need to get out of here. But I, I felt there was a constant, I was the easy touch for anyone that wanted anyone. I, I didn't know how to say no, or I didn't know how to assert myself. Yeah. So for all, they taught me how to, um, they taught me how to uh, sell and to understand the whole framework and mm-hmm. the cycle mm-hmm. of it, um, which was brilliant. Um, and I wouldn't have got anywhere else. I just felt that I was my my personality and my nature and my willingness to to help was being abused yeah. and it got to the point where I felt as though I was always the butt of the jokes of anything that was going mm. on so but again it 
you know, you fast forward to current days, I'm now perfectly aware of, you know, we've got nine staff here of how to manage staff, of how to handle them, to yeah. work out for any of the, 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 the danger signs that I experienced myself or any of the, the warning signals with any of the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I treat the staff the same way that, that, that I expect them to treat me. So there is respect, there is a, you, a sense You've learned that through your time in doing yeah, these yeah. jobs that you've done before. So you're you're selling your stationery, and you think, good God, there must be something better out there. You've had your conversation and and, and buying the property through through Gary. So what was it that you suddenly thought? You know what was the next step into property? So the next step for me, there is one crucial step um, <clears throat> before um, property happened for me. Yep. So. So benchmark is um, got my job. Friends went to uni. I was earning. Got my flat. Um, my friends got their job, and then they get a car, and then get a job with a car. Right. Um, and then they get a really good job. So I then had to look at getting a really good job that was going to pay me a lot of money. So you were still trying to benchmark yourself. Still doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. Um, so I then, um, which I, again is a, a great part of my life, but. It was at a time when um, the company that I went to work for was still run by the owner and it's not the machine that it is just now. So I took a job as a salesman with Arnold Clark's, um, but Arnold Clark's brother ran our branch and the manager with Arnold Clark's brother was almost like a mentor and a father figure. Right. And what he did was shape the um, experiences that I had of um, uh, understanding the way society operated and the sales ability from a previous job and he taught me basically how to manage it in a processed way that we're always going to be providing a service and that people would come back to you and they were appreciative of the, the manner and how they were handled so that <laughs> happened with Arnold Clark being ever present within our branch because his brother ran the uh, ran the, the, the franchise uh-huh. so I actually went in and sat down with with them at the interview and said I feel that this has happened to me um, throughout the the, the, the the year that I've been in this employment I think my confidence has been knocked and yeah. um, but I feel as if I've got more to give I just don't know how to to channel it properly mm-hmm. and they were um so at that point, I think it was 22. Right. Um, and at that point, they said, well, listen, this is what we want you to do, and this is the route we want you to go down. The salesmen there were all my age now, so I was almost half the age of the salesmen that were there. Right. Um, so I felt like, I felt like their boy, you know, and every, I do have done anything for them with regards to helping them out. So have they earmarked you for a, a particular position within the company and could see you moving the new, forward? The new, I was, I was, if I was handled properly, then I think they thought that I was an asset because yeah. of maybe the, the sausage machine of salesmen that come in and out of Arnold Clark's. I think it was maybe a wee bit different from a, from the, 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 the run of the mill, but an mm-hmm. LH had maybe I felt damaged. So there was a, a, a sort of slow building of confidence yeah, in character yeah. and responsibility mm-hmm. um, to the point that I then became the, um, I was um, 
the client relationship manager for Renault. The Renault's a franchise, yeah. and um, I loved every step of the way. I actually took a dip and left to go and work for BMW, but was there for like two or three months and realised that you know the, the grass isn't greener. Mm. Um, I wanted to get out of my system that I was going back to sell luxury brand, yes. but the whole family that was created around the, 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 the branch that I was in was fantastic. It was at that point I sold my flat and um, doubled my uh, doubled my money. Yep, yep. Um, so I then um, decided to buy a couple of properties. Uh, we bought property, sold it, made money again. I decided uh, at that time my son was born and Arnold Clark, she worked um, two late nights till eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the summer and a Saturday and a Sunday and I decided I'm not going to work weekends and it was one of those moments where you go this is the first foundation of what I want to do and how I want to yep. to, to, to become Craig McCall or, or core so I then bought a couple of properties and um, with no experience um, started doing property development um, but Again, the same way that the that I was successful in being young and mapping the way I was successful in, in being in Arnold Clark's, I had a basic plan or structure that I would follow, and it's the exact same. Yeah, there's now the exact same basics of the the, the, the structure and plan that I followed to be successful, or fortunately be successful for the um, eight nine years that we've, we've been running core for. So it was buying the right area but on the lip of the right area so I want I want a property in the West End I'll buy in Scottsdale I want a property in um, Lindsay I'll buy Kirky Border in Lindsay mm-hmm. you know? so mm-hmm. these are the, the places where I'd look at school so what I wanted to do was have luxury high-end flats but in places where the Types of people would want those luxury high-end flats, but yeah. they couldn't afford them because mm-hmm. they couldn't mm-hmm. afford to come into that that specific yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. So we bought Scottsdale, Kirkintilloch, um, uh, certain areas of Cumbernauld where all the new developments were, were, were mm-hmm. coming up, um, and it was great. And so you just did those up, flipped them, and flipped then just them. moved on to the, just, the you, next. You just buy. You could just buy them and sell them pretty much yeah. straight away. Uh, we also could buy and sell. We've got some re- repossessions that we could just lick a paint and, and then you know you get maybe ten, twelve thousand pounds for it. It was great. We then looked at the estate agents and you know if we had this is going back to the, the days of plasma televisions before they are what they are now. So mm-hmm. wall hung TVs were the, the 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 thing that everyone was selling, but no one had. Yeah. So we would then include that as part of our fixtures and fittings uh, we'd have wee TVs in the bath or we'd have we'd have a good standard of kitchen but not an expensive kitchen but yeah. it would look great yeah. uh, but we would then dress it around so it would be like maybe an Ikea kitchen but porcelain also tiles and you know we'd change the taps and the handles so it's like £100 tap so mm-hmm. you walked in and it was like wow uh-huh. but it was just dressing yeah. uh, and we left that and the carpets were all quality and the houses were set up so they were looking you know we had all the surround sound and everything going through before there was soreness and all this sort of thing so the type of flat we had if we had it in say the, if, say we had one in Scotston we'd buy it for 50 we'd sell it for 115 
mm-hmm. you know, would spend maybe £20,000 on it. Yeah. Um, but that flat, had you to sit it in Thornwood or whatever, or, or, or uh, Heinland, would be 220 yeah. 230 so. so as long as you could get the people in through the door, then first, you knew it would sell. First, well, we, we went first-time buyer market, and... Um, so basically they were just walking in and going it was wild, not, not like anything else that they had, yeah, uh, yeah. had seen before um, and it was great but then um, it was my f- myself my friend that did it and it was quite solid but the, what had happened was I didn't get an understanding of tradesmen how they work you know as soon as everything they'd, they'd put the last stroke of paint down they were wanting paid and mm. that whole juggling to make sure that everyone was getting done or you know you're at that point you don't want to have be like johnny big potatoes and drive a big flash car in it was just a case of um understanding how this was, was yeah. working and how much time was that taking you away from what you were did, doing in the day to day did that full time as soon as um, as soon as we'd made the, the money in our property um, I bought a flat, another flat and sold it and with the proceeds for that it was enough it was enough it was like maybe 50% the profit was 50% of yeah. my um, my uh, annual salary and I thought well, if I can do two and make that then I'll, I'll have got my, uh, my money mm-hmm. so, so how difficult was it to actually say to Arnold Clark who had obviously been of great assistance in um, taking you from where you were moulding you telling you all or teaching you all about the sales process how difficult was that to say thanks guys but this isn't for me I've now moved on um, it, it actually wasn't that bad because the people because the people that I was working with mm-hmm. from a young age were older yeah. they were at the moving on stage or they were taken to you know become managers of other branches so it had um, it completely changed round so it's quite a fluid type uh, of business and well, so you didn't feel so that there was too tw- much loyalty there well 22 to 29 so it was 8 years of yeah, um, and they, they took their pound of flesh although they paid really well uh-huh. uh, they took their pound of flesh from it but the guys that were you know maybe 20 years older than me then they were they were then doing their own things or they were moving on so what happened was the new the young team came in yep. and it was me that was basically I was in that position that I found where you know, I was one of the older generations, so mm-hmm. it was just time for me to 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 go. But I also know that if anything was ever to go wrong, I would you would have I been could, able to I go could, back and walk straight yeah. back in there. I could put even after this length of time. Okay. Um, so you've done or are doing the flipping thing. What makes you decide? You know what? I need gainful employment. What then happened? Um, which was. Um, really interesting was the f- my friend that's doing it with who's still a friend um, he wanted to go um, I've seen so many boom and bust things at the time right. it was boom and so what are we talking here time scales wise 2000 um, so he would have been so this would have been 2006 the market's still going bananas yeah, yeah, at that couldn't, time right? what could go wrong bananas yeah there's no, there's, uh, there's no cliff edge we're still no. we're still, um, <laughs> still climbing the mountain yeah yeah just uh, going great guns so he then wanted to look at hotels and look at converting them into flats and all this sort of stuff um, <laughs> I so I've come from being a salesman yeah. and mapping the web um, a sales a sales rep um, a um, salesman again within Arnold Clark's yeah. all of a sudden developing hotels into flats you know at that point it was too much we had 
we had made good money uh-huh. and we had a wee office and and everybody um, was throwing money at you at that stage uh, you know my, you could go in and do we, we, we set, when we set up the company um when we set up the company um i wanted to set up the company accounts and immediately um the guy from the royal bank came out and offered us a fifteen thousand pounds overdraft at the no 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 um, company background, no checks, <laughs> no um, experience, no trading history. Mm-hmm. Here's fifteen thousand pounds. So, you know, so your boots, lads. That was it. I mean, so at that point you're going, gee, where's this? There's no way anything could go ever go wrong. Uh-huh. Now, he wanted to do this, and I didn't. And at that point, we just sat down and said, right, do you know what? I'll go and do this. You take your money and, and go and do, do that. Uh-huh. Um, so I said. I want to go into the agency. I enjoyed uh, dealing. <laughs> what was hysterical for me now is um, I would walk into the agents going, property developer, blah, blah, blah. This is what we're doing. We'll take anything. You just show me and we'll look after, you know, but if we're going to sell it, you'll get it back and all this sort of stuff. Um, and thought that I was the ticket. Um, because of no estate agency experience, um, I decided I'll take a franchise on and run it myself. Um, and I, I picked your move because it was the best franchise model at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is still 2006 um, and I got on great with the director. Um, so it was like there's been a few people that have based been um, sort of shining beacons in my uh, life. Identical, yes. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> she was like, this is great. Um, when I speak to the franchise manager, she went, this would be a great person for us, but they want to take a franchise on. I said, well, hey, I have no experience. Can I uh, sit for a couple of months in a, a branch and see what it's like? Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Um, we will um, put you into uh, a branch in Stirling. As I went into the branch, my first day, all the property uh, developers came in with the same chat that I had, and I couldn't believe how much they were hated by every single member of staff. <laughs> Just like, oh, here he comes again. He thinks he's going to do it. And it was actually... And so what it, did you think about that, given the fact that you were that person six months previous? Well, again, it's one of those moments where you go, do you know what? That You, you need to learn from this because uh-huh. the, the, it was the exact same pattern. It was, was it? the exact same uh, how they're going to take over the world and they've got all this money and... Uh-huh. Um, I never, but I still had the chat, yeah, yeah. I, and you're just going, and then everyone just, people actually thought, I'm not going to sell to him, just for that. I'd rather get someone else, right. or uh-huh. what they didn't realise at the time was, it was linked with selling houses, you're targeted to get mortgages, you want the people to, um, that are selling their house to buy one of your houses, and the people that are buying one of your houses are selling your house, you want them to take your mortgage, you then want the house that you're selling, the person... So you wanted to try and keep them... You, you've got almost like a... Uh, you wanted your own chain, or you create your own pipeline of people that were doing mortgages, buying yeah. and selling, and yeah. if you kept them all in, in, in track, then you could manage the missives uh-huh. and see how it's going on. So quickly went to Stirling, and within three months, sort of the shambles, um, went back and spoke to the director and said, I think I could turn that place around. I'd written basically some, some notes saying, this is what I'd be looking to do, and um, I said, but we'll see if, uh, I'll maybe give us six months and see if I can turn around. They gave me the green light. They gave me a, um, a, a carte blanche, basically, get rid of the staff that's there, bring your own staff in. And it was like, Stirling at the time was 
very Edinburgh operated, operated by the Edinburgh solicitors. Yeah, so yeah. it was um, it wasn't the Glasgow back or roll your sleeves up, we'll do this, we'll get that amount, you know, it wasn't that, yeah. that um that roughness to it uh-huh. or that sort of working mentality. So I, I went out as a valuer and just basically said, This is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna do it, but I had the team to back it up. Uh, and I put the processes in place that got yeah. you from offer through to concluded business as soon as possible. Well, half the half the things um, that are that these we were most successful was we missive chased. So what we did was we would we had good relationships with those solicitors. <clears throat> we um, gave them a bit of business with regards to referrals mm-hmm. uh, that was to do with the conveyancing, um, but it allowed us direct access to them. Yeah. So we then became like a, a telesales centre and what I mean by that is the, 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 we're always on the phone how are you going to missives have them done to the point that people actually wanted us off the phone so they'd just go right their missives yeah. are concluded so but the bottom line was you were able to establish that relationship because you were passing them work and ultimately yes. the more you pass them work then the more they were then almost indebted to you so they would actually do their job properly and, and move the missives forward well we we um, we it, there was basically three things that operated. There was one where um, we would work on their behalf to try and get misses concluded for their seller. Yes. Yeah. Um, we would give them business, so they were always thankful because we were referring clients to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But the third part of that wheel was we were also going to chase them when it was their client that had it bought one of our properties. So you know they got two thirds of a. A good deal, but the yeah. one third of it was we were chasing them, and they would just they would just get it done, and they could not come on the phone to us. We'd always get straight through to them because it's actually quite a small small area. Mm-hmm. So there was a bonus at the end of the year, um, I, which no one had ever hit, and um, everybody thought that Stirling had been non-performing for about five six years right. in the good times. So I looked at the bonus structure and said. If I do this and tell what I'm going to do, is that the bonus I'm going to get? And the director said, absolutely. So I was kind of halfway to doing it within the first like three or four months. I said, can I stay on and just for a year and see if I can get this bonus? Now, no one's ever had the bonuses before. They're actually set unachievably high uh-huh. because you got a percentage of it and you had to ring every single bell and blow every whistle yep. to get you know like you know the the, the, the jackpot and the this end. was done on a turnover basis rather than how many the properties were sold or turn- was it done on t- turnover profit um the mortgage business um so everything sales, had to come everything. in so you're so you one. got everyone got like a, a percentage or a certain amount um mm-hmm. on a monthly basis uh, but there was a there was like a, a cash cow at the end which everyone tried to work towards and the the directors um sales meetings were all you know this is what we're going to do how close you get to that what you know yeah, you need yeah. to do this so you sat down and went through um sometimes a lot of nonsense sometimes it was really really good uh-huh. um just to sort of to um appease what they're looking at but that was basically the the goal that they'd set each branch for the uh, yeah. for the year and. I had gone from really having no experience in um, in estate agency, but I had experience in sales, I had experience in how to yeah. uh, deal with clients, I had experience to deal with the solicitors who are a bit more Edinburgh and, you know, they were more like clients of Mapping and Web, so um, I knew how to 
to make sure that the thing moved in the direction that I wanted to and I had the management skill of bringing in the staff that I wanted so it just all worked mm-hmm. um, and at the end of the year um, we, we had rebellion so we, there was a, an awards ceremony and it was just it was again quite interesting because no one thought anything of Sterling so whenever in Sterling were at these award ceremonies it was just oh, it'll be Sterling and Sterling pat them on the back and when I was at the meal, um, they didn't. I've always kept my head below the parapet. So when I was at the meal, I told them who my name was, but they didn't realise that I was the, the, the manager of Sterling. And then as soon as the uh, the award ceremonies came, and it's basically still, you know. And did you know at that stage? You'd obviously you don't say you, you, you yeah, right, right, okay. that it wasn't for the kudos. It was actually for the bonus. You know, the bonus was more than a year's salary. Um, wow as a bonus uh-huh. and I, I had absolutely broken my back to make sure we got everything back mm. and doing that I made sure the girls all got their bonuses the mortgage advisor got the bonus that everyone got <coughs> at their, 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 their slice of yeah, it because it's a team and you cannot get to a stage where you're achieving something that has been unattainable for forever without a strong team yeah the the uh, without again sounding horrendous and cringeworthy uh, people say there's no I in team there is an M and there is an E and uh, the way that I looked at my team was see if I'm going to do it you're all going to do it with me um, and that's how we kind of went uh, kicking and screaming but there's an art in doing that because you know the last thing you want to be is to be seen to be the boss that everybody does what the boss tells them to do but deep down they don't really want to do it yeah, with us, um, what my um, thought process was is if you have people that are in doing specific jobs, let them spin their own plates. Um, so rather than me trying to spin them all for Give them, them, responsibility. Them, they yeah. were all they all had knew the, their specific role and their task, and in do, knowing that they achieved in it, and they were employed purely down to the ability for them to do that task. Yeah. Now, what then comes from there that I. I see his leadership so the leadership is then going well do you know what see although you've got that uh, thing covered that you're dealing with can you keep a wee eye on that one or can you help them to just bring that up a wee bit or just make sure that the wobble's not as as severe as as what I'm seeing it Mm -hmm. so you're then creating sort of mini managers or um, um, there's a crossover between that allows you to then go right that's now being handled the way I want it to be handled I can then go out and source more business or I can then go and um, and um, turn my attention to growing a wee bit more. Yeah, yeah. So within the 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 UMove framework, it honed my business skills because I was given a, a chance to do whatever I want. Mm. But instead of failing and crashing and burning, I was within the bubble that I was covered by a, a massive company. So it all went brilliant. Um, what then happened, which was the trigger, was you had your salary. You then had, say, a year's salary as a bonus. I had worked hard and I hadn't... And you're still employed. Still you employed. hadn't decided to go down the franchise no. route. Right. Um, when I knew I was getting the bonus and I knew that um, that we were, we were getting a bit of money, uh-huh. I had mentally spent it on cars, holidays, upgrading my house, basically. Well, although we had our own wee savings and things like that... There was I nothing had, left. I hadn't spent the penny in my mind. And everyone was slapping me in the back, and everyone was saying what a great uh, job that we'd done, mm-hmm. and everyone was basically high fiving and having the bottles of champagne. And um, I opened my wage packet, 
and I looked at it and I was like, and trust me, I had done, you know, Saturdays, Sundays, nine o'clock yeah, yeah. nights, and I looked at it and I went, something's wrong with that, that's absolutely nowhere near. It was just over half what I was expecting. And I forgot that we get charged 40% because of the, uh, because of the amount. Well, the t- well, the tax. I hadn't factored. I hadn't factored in the amount of tax right. I'd had. Right. Right. Okay. So I, I went on to the director. I said, "Hiya, my wages are wrong." And she said, "Why?" And I told her. She went, "What about your tax?" I went, "What do you mean? She went, you have to pay your tax." I went, "That's half. It's, it's, my, my my bonus is almost halved." I said, "This could be a, could be a complete waste of time." And at that <laughs> point, I went, "Do you know what? I'm probably better doing this myself now." That, so that was the light bulb moment. That hits us at um, that hits us at two thousand and seven, the tail end. At that point, um, so the shit's hit the fan. Not only as um, uh, it's like all the wee lemons falling off the side uh, <laughs> of the cliff, I'm seeing it happening. But you know, I'm almost standing on it and been taken along with it. Now, what has been really fortunate for me was your move didn't do letting at all. They do now. Yeah. Um, but it didn't do letting at all and it was rumoured to do uh, why don't we do letting letting's going to be great mm. and letting was the ugly sister of sales yeah, yeah, so yeah. And it was like no we'll just deal with sales we'll uh-huh. deal with sales and swan about and we will um, well, sales will be fine but at that point um, this this we ugly sister's almost blossoming into a bit of a, yeah. a beautiful swan you know yeah. so um I then sat spoke to the director and the, what actually happened was your move came to me and as all the franchises they'd set up were all going bust or, or they were saying to me, yeah. do you know what, why don't we take a couple of franchises, this is coming down and things like that. And at that point I thought, the, 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 the boat's sinking, mm. the boat's thing is sinking. <laughs> I've not been down with it. I can't, I can't plug that hole. So I'd actually come out with the role I was doing in Stirling and I was then covering East Kilbride and, and the various different um, yeah. wee offices. Um, and this had been almost like the the October, November, when everything was good and we've got all our wee silverware and everything's displayed in the, the branches and you know you're 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 um, loved by everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, what also happened in your move was when I got the bonuses, they then went no one can get this bonus again and they actually put all the bonuses up and everyone went crazy because um, the amount of profit I made was um, less than some of the bigger branches, but your move's a UK-wide thing. Um, so although they made more profit, the percentage for me that I had to earn was, 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 was less. So yeah, yeah. Um, if then it's unfair or now the bonus structure changing, it's all over. So it went from hero to zero again in <laughs> the, the ma- eyes of the managers. So right. at that point, I thought, this is, this is going in the, in the wrong direction mm. for me. And then I thought, you know what, I can, I can do this myself. Um, so I went and spoke to the director and the director said I always knew this day was going to come um, and wished me well and um, I went back to the office and I thought that's went okay that's gone too well that's went okay <laughs> and then the uh, guys from the office of the director was um, was based in mm-hmm. started phoning what have you done? What have you done? She's gone absolutely crazy. She's um, all of this. She's just said they'd never seen us. Basically, flown off the handle. Um, so, so wait a second. She, you'd said to her, "Listen, I'm, I'm away." She yeah. said to your face, 
I knew this day would come. Wish you all the best. What and she then, said was, uh, there was that almost like a Jekyll and Hyde where I think it's, it's sunk in because we were, we were doing so well and we, you know the the conversations for meetings we were having. I was maybe saying, yeah. this is what we should do. I would uh-huh. say this or this is the figures that I would be doing. So there was a good kind of there was a good meeting of minds in relation to how things should be done. Yes. Uh, she was a good bit older than me as well. Um, so I just think from the area that she was covering. Um, there was someone again that was reliable that the guys in Matt and Webb saw in me or the guys in, yeah, 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 in yeah. Arnold Clark saw in me so it was almost like her wingman was was going and she said uh, she wished me well she just turned around and said you do realise you've put me in the complete shit here so that was the first part I'm going to as I say put that into two parts and you'll get the next part in the following week Craig is just, he epitomises somebody who has just got bags and bags of perseverance. And and if you're going to make it in in anything uh, that you are doing, then perseverance is is one of the keys. You've got to just understand the process. And then once you understand the process, then you need to enjoy the struggle because there are struggles. There's no way, and the people that, that I've met and we've interviewed on the show They've all had the struggles, but the one thing that they have got is perseverance. When they get kicked in the teeth, they get back up and they just say, you know what, that's part of the process, that's the struggle. And I tell you what, you've got to enjoy the struggle because if you don't enjoy the struggle, then at the end of the day, you won't take as much enjoyment out of the successes that you have got. Craig's attitude is absolutely first class and it really is something I think that has taken him from his start at your move and then moving forward and creating core property. And he sort of epitomizes a sort of little phrase that, that I'm very keen on, which is all about ability is what you are capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do, but it's attitude that determines how good you do that. And that's what Craig epitomizes. His attitude is absolutely fantastic. His attitude to want to to serve his clients means that he stands out. He stands out because he wants to do the best job for his clients. So listen, that's the takeaway. Make sure you've got your right attitude. We'll talk and finish off next week. You've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. It is your property podcast. It does take a sideways look at property. We'll catch you next week.